0: When you gather your friends together to play a co-op game and you're presented with these set of challenges, it's a better feeling than when you are playing a game that's adversarial and you win, because only you won. So right. only you are feeling that. But if you play with everybody, it just makes it more fun for everybody. If you lose, you all lose together, but you can kind of like laugh about it. Man, that freaking monster came out of nowhere and just punched my head off. <laughs> like, there wasn't anything I could do. Like, yeah, I know, man. I had this like magic dagger and I couldn't get to. you. Whereas, like, if one person wins, everybody kind of feels bummed out, and it's just like, I mean, it's, well, not necessarily bummed out, but it's it's just a different dynamic. Hey, everybody. I think we mentioned in the episode a little bit, but I wanted to talk
1: a bit about aging. I'm getting real close to 30 right now, and I know that that's nothing to a lot of people, but to me, it's the first age where I really realize that I'm not a kid anymore, and I'm starting to notice differences. It's a lot harder to spend quality time with people unless we have a definite thing to do as we get older. And that's one of the reasons why I really like this topic. Any excuse, no matter what it is, to spend good time with people you care about is something that I value. So whatever that is, I want you to think about that during this episode. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, If you like this episode, please share it with a friend and enjoy. Hi there, audience, and welcome back to At Least There's This, a podcast about some of the small good things in our world of trash. Uh, It's a trash world, like a really bad 80s movie called Trash World that they should have made, but they never did. One thing that I talk about on this podcast a lot is community and things that bring you together with people who you, who you love, which is a thing that we need a lot right now. I mean, you can find any pop psychologist, uh, any armchair pundit talking about how the world we live in right now is a, a world that forces people apart. Social media is antisocial. That's what old people like to joke about. Um, all of the things that we like to do, like video games, keep us sequestered and alone. People don't really have great connections at work anymore, but in a world where there's a lot of terrible loneliness, at least there's...
0: Board games.
1: He's a comedian, a podcast host, a comedy writer. Uh, I think
0: you hit them all. <laughs> I hit the. I hope I hit them all. We'll come. You did, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll come on more. Another of the many crack diasporics who I keep catching and love talking to. Oh, um, yeah, you're actually somebody who I've listened to a ton. Uh, oh, really? Just because I used to listen to the Crack podcast. All the time. It oh, was okay, like a cool. weekly listen for me. Cool. Well, yeah. thanks. So we're going to talk about board games, which are things we that are. I also love. Before we get to that, mm-hmm. I just want to get like a general outlook question to kind of get us into who you are as a dude. Um, sure. Would you describe yourself more as an optimist, pessimist, neither, both? I'm more of a pessimist. Pessimist. God, I love that. I so rarely get pessimists. Really? Everyone comes on. Really? Pe- <laughs> i I don't Here Here Yes get more optimists. I don't always believe them, but everybody comes (laughs) on and says, you know, I'm a begrudging optimist. Or I am like I'm trying to be an optimist. And I think what they mean is that they want to be optimists. Sure. But are pessimistic. And you are maybe one of two who've ever been outright (laughs) no, I'm straight up a
0: pessimist. No man. (laughs) Uh, how does that look to you? What's that pessimism feel like? Um well, it started when I was little as just a way to like save myself from disappointment or failure. Mm. So it's like, well, everything's bullshit anyway. <laughs> so like, what do I care? Um, I've gotten a little bit better about it as I've been an adult and gotten married um, because it's kinda, you can't just be like world bullshit like when you're like married and have a family. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, it's not a responsible way to live. But um, I just generally think I never anticipate good things are going to happen. I always expect the worst. <laughs> so so when good things happen, it's so wonderful. Right. Yeah. And when they don't happen, I'm not let down. So. And you've been, yeah, you've been
1: prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm also, I, I'm trying to get to neutral. So neither mm-hmm. pessimist nor optimist, but I think I come from a pessimistic place. And I'm trying to climb to neutral. When you... Did you develop it as more of a defense mechanism yeah, from something specific, totally. or um,
0: well, it was more—I don't know—I was just a weird kid. So, uh, in what in what way? Just um, like like nerdy, but not like. But I was also like weirdly like, I like not outgoing, but like I was I like being funny was the one of the first things I developed to be like as like a social thing yeah because I have like I'm socially terrible so it's like well if I'm like if I'm like funny then I can make friends and then it was also like well I also have to be the nerd because I had um I got decent grades in school and that became my identity at home yeah. like oh you're the smart child <laughs> so I was like well I have to like Shore myself up in case, like, I don't make any friends or if I don't make good grades or something. So, yeah, that's kind of where that came from. And I don't like to spend most of my time by myself. So, uh, yeah, it was just a way to like create layers upon layers of, of shell around me so that whenever I had to go out in, in public, um, it wouldn't be so devastating when things wouldn't work out. Yeah, and like come crashing down. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, if I just was sad all the time. <laughs> You can't get sad, <laughs> <laughs> like so. Um, yeah, so I, I, I definitely, I, I feel what you're talking about though. Like I'm mm-hmm. trying to get more to like a neutral place, yeah, where um, I'm being not necessarily optimistic, but like, oh, it'll work out because it usually does. In yeah, to some degree, for me anyway. Right. Like it, it's I've been lucky in that yeah. uh, every great disaster or catastrophe I've run into, it has managed to eventually level off. Right, sometimes quickly, sometimes 17 months later, you know, it's just but so I'm trying to like learn to trust my own ability to bounce back from things. I think, if anything,
1: that's what catastrophe teaches best is like, is you can handle it, right? Or you have to handle well, it, you have to, and yeah, you'll yeah, be yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like Like, pessimism... I feel like there's a difference, maybe... An uncharted difference between pessimism and and staring into the void of darkness that is catastrophe. Where pessimism is like, it will fail. Mm -hmm. And the other one is like, well, everything dies and breaks, but that doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be the worst it can be. Mm -hmm. Like, I can handle it when it breaks. And I think there... I think they're they're very similarly colored, but they're different. Would you agree or would you disagree?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they're adjacent, but not necessarily the the precise same thing. Yeah, yeah that's that's. I think that's true. Yeah. Um. So as a nerdy kid, mm-hmm. I guess a self
1: described one, although it seems like you were also a a jokester. Yeah. A comedy comedy boy, d- is that how you got into board games, or where did that come from?
0: Um, board games came from my dad, who is also a huge nerd, Mm. um, but we would get, like, like, I wasn't super into them when I was a, like, a little, little kid, but, Mm. like, we would get a lot of, like, these weird German board games, so I, I spent a lot of my young childhood in Germany, and we have German family members, um, and there's a German game company called Ravensburger that makes, like, these, like like world-renowned award-winning board games and so like my aunt would always give us these crazy board games with like these you know like in america like you're you're it's at that time it was like mousetrap and monopoly and stuff like that and then these german games had like these crazy like high concept stuff and like different mechanics stuff that's like real familiar to people who play board games currently but this is like back in the 80s um so she would send us these board games with like full translations of the rules written up and then i that's when I would start to kind of slowly get into them. And then my dad sort of would like facilitate them by getting getting us these kind of weird, more high concept games from places like Avalon Hill, which people may know. Um, I think they recently got bought and rebranded by Wizards of the Coast, because I think that's who publishes Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, right, because they also do betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Yes. Um, but they did they did like war games and stuff back in the day. Yeah. But they did this, they did this game called Dinosaurs of the Lost World. Uh, in the '80s, that my dad got for me and my brother, and it's like this high concept board adventure game that also had these. It, it's it's a great game, and you can't they ransom it now. You, really? <laughs> it, I don't. I think they only did that one printing of it, so it's like two hundred dollars if you want oh, to get a copy shit. of it. But it's a real cool game. Um, it just and then, yeah, it just started to appeal to me more and more as like, um, like as a as a way to. It's like playing with toys, but with rules. Yeah. Uh, Which rules have always appealed to me? (laughs) There is a
1: certain type of person to whom rules are a salve.
0: I yeah, I like rules. Yeah, I was always the one who read the rules, and I didn't mind because my brother was like, "You, I don't want to read this." I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." (laughs) Like, I just, I love, under, I love like knowing what the parameters are to, like, I, (laughs) it's weird. Like, if you hand me like, as a little kid, if you handed me toys and were like, "Play," I'm like. <laughs> but if you hand me towards like, okay, these two guys have to get to the Batmobile and have to ride up the side of Castle Grayskull, I'd be like, all right, now now we're talking. Like, uh, can they, they can they both fit in the Bat? i like, no, only one can fit in. The other one has to like figure out another way. I'm like, okay, now I got you. Like, so <laughs> like, the way you like to play as a child
1: was. So there's a farmer and he's got a boat and he's got a chicken and he's got a fox and he's got a bag of grain and he only has enough room in right, the boat yeah, for exactly. one. Right, yeah, exactly. He's like this is my childhood fantasy. Right. Yes, please.
0: I needed I I liked to have parameters because it yeah. felt I don't know I don't know how to describe it. It just it felt like more official to me. I don't know. It's weird. Like I would I wouldn't just randomly play with toys ever. I would I would always construct these elaborate scenarios that more often than not were me just like repeating the plot of a movie I just watched. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I had many Ninja Turtles action figures that were deeply involved with the plot line of the movie Predator. <laughs> um, well, that would have made both <laughs> the Ninja Turtles movie and the Predator movie a lot better. It would have enhanced them both in in uh, unpredictable ways that we can unfortunately never know. Mm. <laughs> maybe never. Maybe never. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. We might. We, there's a cross crossover potential. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it's sort of. It, and once we, um, when well, my my parents eventually got divorced, mm. uh, but I was still pretty young. It was after we came back to the states, and um, weekends at my dad's house would very often be like he'd have some board game that we can play. So, it, like, it, I started to associate that with just like being around family and like a, an activity that we all do together. Yeah. And my brother and I got really into playing board games together. I think because of that connection. But it just it it, it became like that w- it was like my social thing, even though I only ever would only ever play with like my brother and like my like two or three really close friends all through all through elementary school. I didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> um, I'm whenever I know
1: anyone who had a lot of friends in elementary right? school, yeah. It's like what was you were scheming even
0: back then. <laughs> you didn't really like those people. You didn't no. know anything about them. Yeah, you just wanted to be at the top. Yeah, you just wanted extra presents at your birthday party. I know your
1: game. Um, God, that would have been worth it. I should have been nicer and gotten more shit at my birthday parties now that I think about it.
0: Right, yeah, I should have just, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I would have done that. Smile more and you'll get more Beanie Babies, baby Alex. <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> so we're, we're talking about board games. We're talking about social interaction and... You were also talking about rules, and mm-hmm. what that makes the connection that makes me see is that kind of what you're talking about in the first little chunk about uh, optimism v. pessimism and why you are a pessimist is it seems like rules, especially in something like a board game, really limit and structure. Mm-hmm. Um, they structure social interaction mm-hmm. in a very doable way. Yeah. So that there's no room for um it's not that there's no room for error, there's less room for like chance or for something really surprising to happen or chaotic. That's what I'm looking for. There's less room for chaos cuz you have
0: rules we are doing blank right it's like a, it's like it's it's like a contract that yeah. we've all agreed on <laughs> made so, out of cardboard right with dinosaur action figures sure sure but like the rules themselves it's a it's a set of parameters that we have all agreed to in the social interaction mm-hmm. so if you if if you break them you're the asshole
1: right so like, <laughs> it's an asshole contract sure that's what rules are yeah um yeah I have a similar feeling towards the rules of Dungeons & Dragons, which I know is also a thing that you love. You do a D&D podcast with friends. I do, yeah. And the amount of rules in the book... One, I mean, everybody says this, but it makes the game more variable because there are more ways you can structure it. But it also makes... It makes time with my friends, people who I love, that I would almost find impossible. I don't think I could spend four hours with these guys just shooting the shit, getting high. But when we're doing a thing, mm-hmm. when we're playing D, it's like structured, it's uh it feels concrete and there feels like there's a, an energy behind it. Mm-hmm. And that makes it less chaotic. Yeah, there's a purpose. Yes. There's a there's a purpose. And I feel like rules in a board game are really good for that. It's a purposeful way to engage with people who you like.
0: Yeah, and they're not like I didn't write the rules to these games. So they're not like they're it's like this objective third party. Right. That's like here's here's how we're all it's like a it's like a mediator. <laughs> yeah. We, here's how we're all going to play together. Right. Um, it's not like this is Tom deciding. Right. Yeah. Although I mean that's what D&D ends up being because I'm the DM. So Basically. it's like, well, but you, this is going to happen now. You
1: still can make up like a, sure. you know, some kind of encumbrance rule, mm-hmm. or but you can decide not to do that because
0: who plays with encumbrance? The encumbrance rules in fifth edition are just, I mean, they 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 purposely make it so that everyone can carry like five thousand pounds. <laughs> like it's like they're and like the paragraph in there is just like don't even worry about like it's like it's it's not. It's not worth worrying about. It's when it's like when you talk to somebody who thought they had a great joke,
1: mm-hmm. and then when you're like, "Wait, explain that joke again," they're like, "Just stop. Just do what you want. <laughs> I yeah. don't care anymore." Like encumbrance rules from first to fourth were like this is important, and at at this point, it's like, "Oh, nobody liked this thing that I thought of." It's
0: yeah, it really took a turn into minutia. Yeah. for a while, which yeah. it appeals to some people, but it slows. A minutia is better in. Solo games, Mm. in my opinion, because um, you can sit like in a like in a strategy game where you're like a you know a Sim City or like a any kind of war game where you have to like really micromanage and like resource manage and all this stuff like that's really cool and fun. But if you're in a group of people trying to push a narrative forward, having every single player have to worry about so much minutia is gonna—it really, <laughs> <It's>, yeah, <laughs> you're throwing weights on everyone's ankles, it, like, quite literally. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're really missing you, the point. You can you can see it even in like the uh, like the Elder Scrolls, like the Bethesda series, yeah, where like encumbrance and like armor repair and, and weapon repair was like hardcore up into Oblivion, and then and like Fallout 3 they were like all right and then in Skyrim they're just like fuck it you don't have to <laughs> yeah. you, you, they still have encumbrance but you don't have to repair your armor or, or weapons anymore cuz they realized that was dumb it's self-healing you're fine do what you want
1: yeah it's uh-huh. it's fine so back around board games and social interaction mm-hmm. did that stay with you through up until
0: now till adulthood oh yeah so um it 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 evolved uh, in you know, we'd play you know the more kid oriented games when I was in elementary school. Obviously, mm-hmm. we we were dabbling in Dungeons and Dragons at that time, which my dad also got us into. Was like, here's some D and D stuff. Like you got some <laughs> dD board games, and also like D and D first edition, like light. You know, it wasn't a D and D. We weren't mm-hmm. ready for that shit. But like, it actually might have been second edition light, whatever one they put out in like the early 90s. I so locked into. Board games that like on Christmas and my birthday that was like the main thing that I would get from like my dad. He'd be like, "Here's this crazy ass board game." That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I got it's it's so that's how I like got into role playing games was through board games. Mm-hmm. Like we played, we would play like Dungeon and Battle Masters and um, Dragon Strike was a and board game, uh, and then my dad would just be like, oh, here's like the, the D&D stuff you want to get further into fantasy. I'm like, yeah. So, <laughs> so my brother and I did that for a while and we had some of his friends to play with with D&D. And then um, we also got this other game that was called uh, Mutant Chronicles Siege of the Citadel, which is a board game uh, of uh, a, an RPG called Mutant Chronicles, which got us into that. Mutant Chronicles, if you haven't heard of it, it's like Warhammer, the target version of Warhammer. <laughs> Uh, give give us a quick into that. It's a, it's like it's like the Kmart version of Warhammer 40k, basically. Okay. It's it's space fantasy, but it's like weird techno fantasy with also horror elements. It's very much like, it, it's it's it, it, yeah. It's it's the poor man's uh, Warhammer 40k. <laughs> but I never got into Warhammer. I was just like Mutant Chronicles all the way, and now like Robert Evans, who is a big Warhammer guy, will make fun of me for that. Is he trying to convert you into his church of Warhammer? Not really. I mean, we did we did a uh, we wanted I want to do just a Warhammer podcast with him because he has um, if you've ever listened to any of his podcast work, like he has this capacity for research that's incredible. Yeah, no, I uh, really love his some of his podcast work. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but his. It carried over to when he was a, a teenager playing Warhammer. So he has an encyclopedic knowledge of all of the lore of the Warhammer oh, universe. Oh, shit. So we sat there. One, We did a stream when it was just us playing a Warhammer board game called Horus Heresy. And as we had to like set it up because I'd never played it before. <laughs> so we had to like take it out and assemble all the pieces. So it was like two hours of assembly and one hour of actually playing the game. But Robert just told us the lore of Warhammer for the entire time. And like... We didn't know how well the stream was going to go, but like people like loved it. Like People were like, watching. Like we had so many people watching Robert talk about Warhammer.
1: There's a certain type of person who loves hearing that and a certain type of person who loves talking about it mm-hmm. that when the stars align, so to speak, my God, it's fascinating. But it's fascinating for just that Venn diagram and yeah. for everybody else, it's like a nightmare. Sure. Which is kind of tying us into the same thing about like, well, there's a there's a social contract of what we're doing. And mm-hmm. what we're doing now is listening to a person talk about Warhammer, and mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. Because oh, we're just otherwise, what would we be talking about? We wouldn't right. have anything to talk
0: about. It would be us quietly assembling this game. Yeah. And that's so boring. Right. So but. we just had him talk tell us the lore of Warhammer. Um so yeah. The the, the the gradual bridge into more complicated mm-hmm. uh, RPG style games uh, carried me into like middle school and then I in middle school and high school I had a, a bigger friend group but they were also 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 all kind of nerds yeah so uh, we would get together and play board games a lot um just basically any kind of new ones I could get my hands on which was you know when you're you're a teenager you don't have extra cash <laughs> yeah. so much and then also like video games are blowing up um yeah I mean, they had been all through my childhood. What, what they... were your high school years? Oh, man. <laughs> You're really going to date me here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and also I'd like to date you. But uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I graduated in 2001. Okay, cool. So, uh, 97 through, I think that's right. Yeah, that's about right. So it was like PlayStation One, PlayStation One, yeah. N64. Uh, yeah. We you know we had Super Nintendo and, and and Genesis, and then NES was the first one. I I remember hearing about it. So we were still in Germany <laughs> when uh, Nintendo came out. Uh, my brother was talking about, uh, man, have you heard about this this Nintendo? It's a, it's this new video game. I didn't know what that meant. Like I thought he meant a VCR board game. Because we had a few of those. Wait, what? How do you play a VCR board game? You, uh, you, it's like Nightmare or like Commercial Crazies or like uh, you you put it. There's an accompanying VHS that you put in, and it just like it's like the VHS is the DM basically, and it guides you through playing the board game. Holy shit! They don't make them anymore Uh, for probably (laughs) obvious reasons, right? Like you don't really need it now, and they have they've come up with more efficient ways. Like there's a big put there's a big uh, renaissance right now of of cooperative board games. Yeah, they've always existed, but they were like really they were kind of more niche and sort of harder to find. Now, like the idea of having a game that runs itself and it's you and your friends playing against the game, like that's one of them that's become more and more popular recently, which I think is cool.
1: My favorite have friends over quickly play a game is uh, Forbidden Island. Sure, have you ever yeah, played that? oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good a
0: one. Fabulous co-op game. Forbidden Desert is good too. I haven't done Desert yet. It's basically the same. It's just a different. There's some a couple of different mechanics, but okay. it's essentially the same thing. But yeah, that one, um, the Firefly game is pretty fun because you're not necessarily adversarial; you just kind of cruise around space and and do your thing. You're you're playing against the game to be the first to reach an objective. I know there's a bunch of huge ones that I'm forgetting, like Dead of Winter, even though there's a traitor in there. Um, what's the one? It's uh, uh where people are sick. Pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. Right. Pandemic's real good. So yeah, there's there's a lot more of like. That stuff where you're not directly adversarial to anyone, and I'm—I think it's for two reasons. Just from somebody who's been playing board games for 30 years, one is it's sometimes it's kind of a bummer to have to be the DM. Yeah, because like if you have a game like, like Mutant Chronicles or, or Hero Clicks, or there's a new uh, Ninja Turtles board game that was through Kickstarter. It's called um, Out of the Shadows, maybe Shadows of the Past. Uh, by IDW Games. We've played it before on our on our, on our stream that I do with David Bell. Um, somebody has to be the Foot Clan. Um, like there's there's in a lot of these games, somebody has to be the bad guy, and it's not always fun. to yeah. have to be the bad guy. Like sometimes you want to be one of the guys, like on the team with the rest of your friends and fighting the bad guys. And two, it causes a lot of fights. Yeah, <laughs> when you have to play against your friends. Like, right. I think everybody has at least one memory of somebody getting fucking pissed and t- flipping the table or just like so mad at a game and someone just destroys you right. or you think you're about to
1: win the last time i was playing uh Catan i thought i was gonna <laughs> i thought i was gonna destroy and then my girlfriend pulls some shit last mm-hmm. minute kicks my ass and like i couldn't talk to her that night <laughs> Was it just you two playing? No, we were playing with a lot of our friends, but I was sweeping, man. I got longest road on the second round. Like I Dang. Because I had all the wood and all the bricks mm-hmm. from the beginning. I captured mm-hmm. the wood port and like all the brick tiles. Damn, you yeah, went right at it. I yeah, know.
0: We just did Star Trek Catan on a stream like two weeks ago. Really?
1: Yeah, it's the same thing. Same it's game. just in space. Okay, it's, <laughs> like, uh,
0: it's like you're Cincinnati
1: in a box of board games. Sure. <laughs> That's the monopoly of any different city, for those of you who don't know. So we were... I really enjoyed what we were talking about, but I totally
0: I totally took the feet out from under us. Uh adversarial. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes it's it can be a bummer to be adversarial. Um mm-hmm. and that's like I mentioned at the top of the podcast the game Dinosaurs of the Lost World, where you're not adversarial with each other. You're all just you're playing in this in the Lost World plateau, trying yeah. to be the first one to escape. So you're racing against each other, but you're never like sabotaging each other. I think the idea of sabotage, um, is fun for some people, but for other people, it's just not. Or if it's like a game you don't want to always play. So I, I appreciate that we're having more games that can be played either just cooperatively or sort of like we're not in direct opposition. Like I would even put Catan sort of in that, uh, sort of that. Vote. Yeah. Because you can't really sabotage people. You, you just, you can kind of. Except for the night, but. That's the one place. Oh, you like this like the thief yeah, that the comes thief. around and, like fights yeah, everybody yeah, 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 except yeah. for the thief. Um Yeah, that's true. Um, but even then it's like a thing where it's like if you roll, you have to move him. Yeah. So it's like, well, I mean, I'm gonna bone this area. Um so it's it's more light in that in that respect. I think it ties back to the idea of board games as being a social thing where sometimes you just want to get you and your pals together, and be pals. Like you <laughs> don't wanna be fighting each other. I mean sometimes you do. It's it, uh, it depends. Like, I mean, Munchkin's a, f- a real fun game. Yeah. But <laughs> people it, get crazy salty when they play Munchkin. <laughs> and Boss
1: Monsters, any of those, like... Boss Monsters Yeah, fun. you get salty when you play that yeah, game. Yeah, bo- Boss Monsters is fun. What I like about the co-op games especially is that it's, like, it's group problem-solving. Because mm-hmm. we're a social species and a problem-solving species. Yeah. And w- what in our life do we have a chance to do that outside of work? Where you get together and you cooperatively solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And work is not fun because it's stressful. And also, it, you know, it's alienating for whatever reasons you want to get into. Mm-hmm. But having a thing that, well, let's all get together and solve this problem together yeah. is so, it's such a beneficent
0: impulse, I think. It's fun too. And I'm just remembering a bunch of other games Mice and Mystics, uh, the Ghostbusters board game. Um, those are both, uh, Com- totally cooperative. Like Ghostbusters, you just get together, play as a Ghostbusters, and you have a scenario, and it's like the way each element works, it's, it's a very specific set of problems, uh-huh. and you everybody has to kind of really think about, you know, each character has a specific set of strengths, uh, so you have to really think about, okay, me as Vankman, what can I do to like, do, uh, help this objective, as opposed to my, like, let's say my brother who always plays as Winston. <laughs> Ever since we were little, <laughs> Winston's been his guy. Um, like what can Winston do in this situation? To uh, you know, and mm-hmm. and mice and mystics is the same thing. It's like this, uh, it's it's very much like um, oh, what's the fantasy story about like f- f- field animals? Like oh, Redwall? Uh, Redwall. Redwall. Yeah. It's, God, it's, I used to love Redwall. It's very Redwall because yeah. you're all a bunch of little mice, and you have to like go through it. it like it's like a it's a it's an, uh, uh, an unfolding story. Like mm-hmm. each area you you play, is opens the story up more. So it's like you're playing through one complete narrative, like it's like a written out story, and you have to play through each part of it, and there's elements like a time limit, and like you have to do certain objectives, Mm -hmm. and then you also have to work together to fight these enemies and decide who gets what items. Like I think those kinds of scenarios appeal much more, are much more rewarding I think, or at least rewarding in a different way for when you gather gather your friends together, because when you gather your friends together to play a co-op game, and you're presented with these set of challenges, um, and some of them are real hard, like Arkham Horror. If you've ever played any of the Arkham Horror or Eldritch Horror, I, any of those, I have not. Although I've been around them, they're um, it's fully co-op, but they're very, very hard. Yeah, like the game is a fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but when you get a victory in Arkham Horror, it's like a great feeling, and it, I, I think it's it's a it's a better feeling than when you are playing a game that's adversarial and you win because only you won so only you are feeling that but if you play with everybody uh, in a game like any of the ones I mentioned any of the panic games like Castle Panic Star Trek Panic there's a bunch of Munchkin Panic where you're all working together against a pretty difficult system to to beat it it just makes it more fun for everybody because nobody if you lose you all lose together but you can kind of like laugh about it man that freaking monster came out of nowhere and just punched my head off (laughs) like there wasn't anything I could do like yeah I know man I had this like magic dagger and I couldn't get to you Whereas, like, if one person wins, everybody kind of feels bummed out, and it's just, like, I mean, it's, well, not necessarily bummed out, but it's, it's just a different dynamic. Yeah, I,
1: so, I know I sent this to you when we were, like, initially talking, but the way that I, I like to structure my interviews are around two types of good, the small G and the big G uh-huh. good, and I think what we're talking about now is kind of both. It Yeah. Is it, yeah, it's super pleasant, but it's also, like, this is kind of the the reason why this is it's good that this
0: exists mm-hmm. wouldn't you say yeah I think yeah the I think most I would actually say most of what we just talked about is the big G yeah because it's like it's it gives you a reason to hang out with people it gives like a a, a, a structure to it because as you get older it gets harder to hang out it's so it's really it's, hard yeah so it's 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 having an activity to get together to do that's contained and specific. Uh, makes it easier. The socialness of it, like you said, humans are social creatures, and if it's like an activity that requires us to work together and talk and uh, follow the same set of rules, and and, and each of us, you know, and in, interprets it in, in a way that maybe somebody else didn't think of, and it just it, it's like a coming together to do a task, um, and it's fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's also fun. It's uh, it just it's it's a a reason for people to get together and 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 be social and it's it's a community thing um i think those are all big g yeah i i would definitely have to agree and i think it's so necessary to
1: have that yeah when it's so hard to get together with people for any other reason Mm -hmm. and make new friends i found one of the ways i've made new friends in the past year is through games like people who i haven't known but then somebody's saying, "Hey, we're starting a new D and D group mm-hmm. on Monday. Why don't you come by and play?" And then after three months of playing with people, like, "Oh, these aren't weirdos who I like met one night. These are people who I've done a lot with, and I know yeah. how they
0: think and what they like." You spent, you've spent with D and D, yeah. In particular, it's if you, you've spent hours doing group improv with that person. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. D and D is improv with rules. But if <laughs> like anybody invited me to do improv, hours of improv. No.
1: Yeah, I would No, I would not want to be their friend ever. <laughs> right.
0: I, <laughs> I did like enough a, of that. Thank you very much. Oh, man. I know in an actual improv situation, I would just become Michael Scott immediately. <laughs> <laughs> little G good. Oh, yeah. If you'd like me to talk I, about Little I G good. I love you to talk about it. For me, it just satisfies a lot of weird needs that I have. <laughs> <laughs> Tell um, me of your weird needs, Tom. It, it's, I have a level of, um, I do not want to say I have OCD because I don't. But there is a level of obsessiveness I have with my things, and mm. like uh, having my—if you go to my house, like my books are all lined up. I have, because I I'm still clinging to physical media. I have DVDs and games and stuff, but they're all lined up in, in shelves and stuff. And I've got action figures in there cardboard their cards still like on the wall Mm -hmm. and like on shelves and stuff it's all very like i have everything very organized right and if you look if you open up any of my board games they're all very organized um and it's just like i like having the art and the toys like because you know i i I, if you have if you put out a game that has miniatures i'm buying that shit (laughs) i like like miniatures
1: (laughs) this is going out to anyone who might want to advertise on my podcast i got you one customer
0: I'm seeing that more too as, as a lot of games are going to Kickstarter to get made mm-hmm. uh, because they're very expensive board games are very expensive it's you know just for printing costs even if you don't have plastic miniatures involved um, so they a lot of them go to the Kickstarter route to to get off the ground um, and if, like so many of the ones that all the ones that get like huge backing on Kickstarter are these elaborate, miniature based games. So it's like, I'm not the only one. Yeah, you're But not like alone. I just, I like having my toys. <laughs> um, and just, I like, like there's something just that appeals to me so much about having the board and the artwork and like, just personally appeals to me. It's like my, it's always been my favorite kind of toy is a game. Um, right because it has little action figures but you also have rules that you have to follow <laughs> so it, it's like I, i'm going to i'm going to do some pop psychology right sure. now sure
1: what i'm got what i'm getting from you from start till now about 40 minutes in is is you love the things that control chaos yes so the pessimism you were talking about is all about controlling chaos rules the board is a physical manifestation of an idea, so it's a completely
0: controlled chaos. Right, like you don't have to necessarily imagine it. Like I yeah. haven't, in my DD podcast, I haven't been using grids or maps just mm-hmm. because there's no room on the table, but right. ideally I would. Um, yeah. Because I like to be able to see here's the space we're in. Here's where everybody is. And then, like, oh,
1: no, that's not 30 feet. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't move that far. Right. Unless you're a monk, which I always play, because you can do whatever
0: the fuck you want. Yes, you can. Yeah. With those key points. Oh, my (laughs) God. Ridiculous. And your speed just goes up five, like, every two levels. You're amazing. Yeah. Um, But I am sitting there, like, with my graph paper, like, um, okay, yeah, you're, yeah, you moved over there. Like, I'm, like, keeping track of it for myself, just so I know. Um, But sorry, I interrupted you. Well, no, you didn't, because that, the
1: DM is... While both the generative force of the game, they're also there to rein in the, the chaos, chaos control. Yeah. Right.
0: If you listen to our podcast, <laughs> it's a lot of chaos control because I think we got too optimistic. It's, I think it's eight players. Um, I've played with 10 before, but oof. we were all, all of us were
1: DM level players. So mm-hmm. we could all, we all knew the rules backwards and front and could do the math in our heads. But my God, were we not a podcast, we could not record that
0: shit. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so like you're you know talking over everybody, and then it's like um, in fifth edition, which is what we use. Um, I haven't uh, the only two editions I know are second and fifth. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what everybody else what anybody else is playing or what the rules had been previously, but in fifth edition, they actually start giving the monsters a handicap. <laughs> if you have beyond a certain number of player characters.
1: Just because the monsters
0: can't do shit. They're outnumbered. Point. Yeah. yeah they're... Like it'll be like six turns in a in a in an initiative before they get to do anything. Right. So it's like <laughs> odds are they've been stabbed to death <laughs> right. by that
1: point. So you've got the baddest uh like dragon
0: on the planet, but everyone's just you've just twenty five people get to stab it before it gets to move. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah, it's been uh it's been interesting trying to like populate challenges and dungeons for this group. Without just like, okay, there are ten thousand uh, basically orcs that it, you're has to, right, right it has now, to yeah. be like, all right, eight skeletons are in this room.
1: <laughs> and they're all gonna die after this first Sure, game. right.
0: The last two rounds maybe. Right. But
1: so that's that's chaos control. You're yeah. you're also there to just tell a great story but try to keep shit moving. And I feel like that's what board games are, because it's the chaos of social interaction, which is necessarily chaotic. Maybe it was always chaotic, even back like what, humans are three hundred thousand years old or something, something like that's that? That's sure. That's like, right. Even to the beginning of humans as a species, maybe it's always been chaotic. But you have to assume it was less so when what's our goal? Survival, Yeah. right? So now it's not though, because what's our goal? I don't know. My goal is to not feel lonely for a while Right. <laughs> maybe eventually tell someone today the thing that really hurt my feelings at work, but I, I don't feel comfortable doing it yet mm-hmm. and get some food with people and something like that. So having a rule set, is it's controlling the chaos
0: of trying to live. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's uh, definitely valid. That's big <laughs> and little G. Yes, yeah, t- totally. And yeah. you know, obviously, a lot of that extends. Well, I don't think it extends actually. Some of it extends to video games, but not all of it. Video games are tough. I wish I knew more. I, I don't really play video games. It's this. There can be the same idea of because like multiplayer is a big thing, mm-hmm. but it's a mostly competitive, and you're mostly sequestered by yourself. So it's it. Is a social experience, but not really. Yeah. Um, which I've always, I mean, I'm a big, i have a big video game player, uh, but I've always preferred board games and tabletop games because it's it's social. Yeah, it's social. I like the the physicalness of it. Again, it's playing with my toys. Like I like being. It's just something about it appeals to me in a different way and in ultimately a more satisfying way than video games do. And I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure I can articulate why, but it's definitely the social aspect is part of it. It's also a nostalgia thing because it reminds me of being around my family and, and right. doing this stuff. And I mean, this doesn't sound douchey. I'm a creative person. So I <laughs> I like to be able to I'm given these things, but like I don't see them animate. Like I don't you don't you roll right. a you roll a a die or, or a couple of dice and that tells you that you you did this successfully but it doesn't show you how you did it so I like being able to f- to fill in all the gaps on my own and talking with other people like that's how D&D works where like yeah. you'll get a success and then like talking it'll become something insane it'll that be you more did fun. and it's yeah. just funny and everybody laughs about it it's, it's so important to me I'm always nervous beforehand before mm-hmm. a DM session mm-hmm. so I always feel like it's underwritten because um, I'll have basic beats that I want to hit and my stories are very like the idea of the of the podcast and the and the campaign that we're doing is it's 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 a fantasy universe, but it's 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 an '80s action movie. That's fucking it's awesome! Like all the plot points, everybody behaves as if they're in the '80s. Like there's like the king is King Reagan, and his, that's dope. I his, love that. His like second in command is Lord Oliver, <laughs> um, Lord uh, was what, Oliver Lord Oliver North. That's so fun. Um, so it's and I'm just taking them through the plots of like '80s movies. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, it's not, I'm not really flexing much of a storytelling muscle there because I'm just like, what would be funny for them to do next? (laughs) Um, it's just like a, it's more episodic and it's not like like this, this, uh, this elaborate, I've never really done like an elaborate campaign, which is something I'd maybe like to do. It just takes a lot of time. Yeah. I, the only elaborate campaign real
1: play I've listened to, I was telling you before was the Adventure Zone and like that took all of the McElroy brothers'
0: lives. You ever listen to that one? No, I'm aware of it. I've never listened to it's, it. It's real good. It's, that's what I've heard. It's real worth it. I have. I'm trying to juggle too many things to do that right now, but I'd really like to. But that's why board games are great because it's sure. already done. The right. chaos exactly. is
1: controlled in a little cardboard sheet mm-hmm. that where everything is done and all the play happens there and all the all the intense creativity was done by somebody in Germany.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Where, I just it's, yeah. I just get to show up and fill in the blanks. Right. You outsourced it. Exactly. I did. I did. I was very smart when I made that decision. <laughs> really forward thinking. What is your favorite game? Mm, that's tough. Um, it was Arkham Horror for a long time. Okay, and that's the one where you're playing against like a monster, right? Right. It's a. It's actually a, a reprint of an older game. The original Arkham Horror was made in the 80s. If you can find a copy of it, it's it's kind of quaint. It's like the art's real simple for a game that's about like Lovecrafty and horror. It's yeah. like an HP Lovecraft game. So it takes place in the 30s in Arco, Massachusetts. But like the old board is like this kind of like, it's like real minimal artwork uh-huh. and it just, it doesn't, none of it looks scary. But then they did this massive uh, re, re, like a second edition almost. Like they rewrote the rules, like the whole thing's been redesigned in the mid 2000s, like 2006, I think. Fantasy Flight Games did it. And it's now this huge thing. Like there's like a bunch of expansions, there's spin offs, there's, there's video games that they've done. Um, because for some reason Lovecraft blew up again in, in the mid to late two thousands. I'm not sure why, but everybody was sort of like aware of Lovecraft like again. South
1: Park was doing all their Cthulhu stuff then. But that was like after it. That was after? Yeah. yeah. So it
0: was it was that was like the the like the the wake of it. So it was, I don't know what happened, but it was like everybody suddenly remembered him again. It used to be my favorite. I don't know what I would call my favorite now. I'm really enjoying 5th edition D&D. Munchkin's a lot of fun. Man, it might still be Arkham Horror. Okay. I'm trying to think. We we play the Thing board game a lot <laughs> on uh, on our on our streams, which is, it's like a hidden identity game. Somebody's the Thing. And you have to like work together to get yeah. to the- Yeah, I'm uh, so bad at those games. Oh man, it's tough. No
1: matter who I am, Everyone thinks I'm the killer, and I'm dead. Usually within the first move, just because I'm a bad liar. I don't like games like that because I suck at lying. That's fair. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I'm too good of a person. (laughs) I'm too pure.
0: Uh, No, that happens to me on the on the streams. Anytime we do the thing, like the the chat's always it's him. Even I've been the thing like maybe two or three times, but they're always like you. (laughs) (laughs) They just want you dead. Yeah, no, they just assume it's me. I can tell you what like some of my favorites right now are. Yeah, um, I we just we played uh, Lords of Waterdeep recently which is a lot of fun. Is that a D&D game? It's it's yeah, it's 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 it doesn't sound like it's going to be fun because what it is is you're a lord of waterdeep, one mm-hmm. of the titular lords of waterdeep and it's basically a resource management game like you just have to like occupy different parts of the city. Uh, to get a certain resource, uh-huh. and then you can use that resource on sending heroes on missions, or building a new building, or something <laughs> like that.
1: So you're a di- you're a dispatcher, basically. Basically,
0: you're just you're a you're just a money dude who's just like, here, you adventurers, go on this adventure, and I'll get the experience for it. And you build me these like stables or whatever. It sounds not fun, but it's super fun. And there's a, a game that takes the base of Lords of Waterdeep and and spins it off, uh, reskins it with Viking. A Norse mythology called um, Champions of Midgard. That's also really fun. Um, And the Ninja Turtles board game that I mentioned, uh, uh, Shadows of the Past. We had we played that on the stream before, and we all had a blast. Yeah, Um, it's a really fun, very simple game. Like I appreciate games that have like I like a lot of rules, but it's a bitch to have to be the one to sit there explaining. To because if you sit there like for an hour telling you can see everybody in the in the room just like get less and less <laughs> interested in doing what this is and you feel like an asshole for bringing everybody together to do it. That was always a problem for me. Yeah. So I appreciate now that more games, like more complicated games will be like, okay, there's two separate rule books. They'll be like, here's the the get started playing and here's like the glossary right so it's like these rules are these like it will be like a pamphlet like this is what you need to get started and then if you run into stuff you just look it up in the glossary i like that a lot so much more easy like fantasy Flight's doing a lot they did a big star wars game called star wars rebellion which is just two players it's the rebellion and the empire Uh and this huge board and a bunch of little miniatures and you play through the uh the galactic rebellion and that's a super fun game that sounds super fun those are my favorites right now. It, I think those are those are my favorites right so now. So
1: follow-up to that, if you're talking to somebody, like some member of my audience who is not a board game player, mm-hmm. right? Not tabletops, not board games, nothing. Uh, maybe they play Jewel Quest on their phone or whatever. Sure. What game would you tell them to start with first,
0: and why should they play board games in the first place? I'd tell them to start with something probably like Forbidden Island. Okay. Or anything that's cooperative. Cooperative games are a good entry point for people who don't really play because you get more of a, you don't have to sit there all by yourself to try to figure out the rules and what am I supposed to do with my hand or what am I supposed to do with my piece? Like, mm-hmm. what am I, like you're part of a group. And so you can all like put your heads together and, and think about stuff. And it's, I think that's a better entry point for people who don't normally play. Yeah. And I would recommend, why should you play games like that? Because it uh, by uh, saying it's just, it's just a way to get together that's not going out somewhere or um, getting together. I mean, getting together to watch a show is fun too, but it's just, cause, but that's like the same thing where it's like, here's a specific activity we're gonna get together to yeah. do. It's just a, a reason to get together and hang out with people, and usually it's fun. <laughs> And they're neat. Look at them. Look at the little pieces. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you get your little toys. I'll see you get your little toys. You get to play the little toys. Yeah. Let's play the little toys.
1: Damn, this has been a really fun interview because I love games. I love getting a chance to talk about them. Um, Before we go, I want you to do plugs. Make sure all my listeners can find you, find all your streams and stuff.
0: Okay, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at StartTheMachine. You can follow, uh, I do a podcast and streaming network with David Christopher Bell, who is also a Cracked alumni alumnus it's uh you can follow us on twitch at uh, twitch.tv gamefullyunemployed gamefully unemployed that's g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed get it because it's like a game pun uh we do streams and we also do our podcasts uh, is on apple and wherever you find podcasts it's called story mode story mode so if you look for that on apple or soundcloud or there's another i think i don't know if we're on stitcher or not But yeah, just do a search for story mode and you should find us. We put all of our, we have a bunch of different shows. We just put them all out through the story mode feed because it's very expensive to have separate (laughs) feeds for each show. So yeah, uh, and you can follow Gamefully Unemployed on Twitter at at Gamefully Un. And I think that's everything. Hell yeah. Oh, and uh, best bad movie ever uh, on uh, Adam Todd Brown's Unpopular Opinion Network. Nice. Very nice. So
1: everybody, make sure you give them a listen. Yeah, thanks. uh, As always, for me, thank you guys for listening so much. I appreciate every time you guys listen in. This podcast is entirely spread through word of mouth. Uh, I don't pay to advertise because I don't even know how I do that. So if you liked this episode or any other episode, please share it with a friend. If you didn't like it, uh, please share it with an enemy. And if you are maybe listening to your friend or your friend's dad explain the rules of a board game, you're about 30 minutes into a two-hour rule sesh, Mm. and you have time, just sneakily pull out your phone, go to at least there's this on iTunes, and give me five stars, because
0: it'll only take a minute, and it'll help alleviate your boredom. And you won't miss any of the rules of Twilight Imperium in that time. (laughs) Yeah, you'll
1: (laughs) still get to learn how to do all of your resource management. Yes. That's coming in another hour. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening in. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye.